0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story.
1: I turned up there at lunchtime and there was a new pastor there, so I didn't know him. And he said, what do you do? So I told him, well, we have just set up in the country and we're looking for our first resident. His mouth just dropped open. He said, really? You see, we've been trying to get a guy into a rehabilitation program for three months and he's been knocked back twice. And so this was Simon. And so I met him and found out quickly enough that he was deaf.
0: The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time on the program, we spoke with Michelle Matush, who shared how she became the co-founder and operations manager of a Christian organisation called Eagle's Corner. They're a ministry that supports deaf and hearing people in recovery from addiction and with mental health struggles. Today, we're going to hear the other half of the story. Michael Carter is the co-founder and CEO of Eagles Corner, who has a completely different life journey that involves a miraculous healing and a heart for homeless people. Today, we'll hear how the Lord's been working in his life and how he crossed paths with Michelle and eventually a new ministry was born. Michael's chatting with Eric Scatterbo
2: from his home in Melbourne. Michael Carter, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Eric. It's good to be with you.
2: Glad to have you with us. And last time, Michelle shared that her journey to being involved in this ministry started with her love for cooking and food and all that. And your story has a connection to food as well, but in a completely different way. Is that right?
1: That's true, Eric. Uh, It happened that uh, I was being led into this area of homelessness over a period of two years where... God really had to work on my heart because my perspective of homelessness, which was something that I did see almost on a daily basis working in in the city of Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, but my attitude was: "This is Australia. Get a job. Don't be so ridiculous living <laughs> on the street." You know, it was not, a very, not real
2: compassionate there.
1: No, not a, no compassion at all. And and God had to change that obviously before mm-hmm. I could do anything in this field.
2: Yeah,
1: and part of that change happened in um, getting me out of a, a situation where. I guess we we go through seasons when we become a Christian, and and, and my season was initially for a number of years quite a self-centred, almost selfish one. In that, I suppose mm. it's a time when I was bringing up children and being the, the breadwinner and so on. But certainly, it didn't have an attitude of, I need to get out and help people, but Mm -hmm. rather it was very insulated and uh, uh, self-governed, I suppose. So it it took a huge change for me to really discover what God had intended for me as a purpose in my life. And it was quite late in life, really. I would have been in my 60s. Um, So in the process of this change that God put me through, changing my perspective to the homeless, we heard about this program that the Melbourne Fringe Festival were running one year and um, it was 2009 I think or 10 and uh, they invited people to go on a journey with a homeless man uh, on the streets of Melbourne a formerly homeless man to get a perspective of homelessness from someone who had been there and recovered Mm -hmm. and so we took the opportunity up and uh, he took us around and opened my eyes to a lot of things um, that I never knew anything about and had no idea about it all. But one of the things that he pointed out was um, that as a homeless person, you know, the sort of food that's uh, often offered um, in good faith is often not all that healthy. Mm. Um, you know, it's very salty soup and um, white bread and sandwiches and stuff like that. And so I asked him at one point as we were walking around, now that he was living on his own, how did he cook for himself and you know what was his experience with you know making the most of the little money he probably had still to live well and he told me about these books that he had in a in a refuge that he went to as a homeless person called the easy cookbooks and it just so happened that when i was working at rmit that I was the photographer on those cookbooks. Wow. And so I had an instant connection with this man. And so he, he was amazed that I was not only uh, knew about these books, but actually was intimately involved in producing them. And he just thanked me for teaching him to cook. And um, it so happened that that's also how I taught myself to cook. Um, wow. Because... These books are completely photographs. You don't have to read a whole lot of complicated instructions. They're uh, color-coded and all the rest of it. Uh, You just have to look at the pictures and follow the
2: pictures. Oh, maybe I could even understand that.
1: (laughs) I I think you could benefit, Eric, yes. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) As I did. Yeah, so that is so cool that here last time we spoke to Michelle about how she had this love and passion for cooking and teaching others to cook. Your connection to food was just photographing it. That's it. And then that helped you learn how to cook as well.
1: Yes, that's right. And just fortunate enough to be involved with the wonderful uh, lady who came up with the concept because these books are intended for people with um, intellectual disability mainly. Mm -hmm. But they have been used in many settings uh, as well outside that. But uh, they were a very successful series of books, five volumes of them. But anyway, that was, yeah. My, yeah, that was my connection to food.
2: Yeah, well, that kind of gives us a little preview of where your story is going to head. But let's go back to your beginning. Where were you born and raised?
1: Uh, born and raised in Melbourne. Uh-huh. Um, so I've always been a Melbourne person. There was a brief period when I spent a year in, in England as a 10-year-old going to school and so on there. Uh-huh. But uh, that was because my parents, who were British- thought that maybe we'd, they'd made a mistake coming to Australia. They soon found out oh. after, after 12 months that they hadn't made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so we came back. As, I'm very
2: grateful for that too. Now, growing up, was faith a part of your family?
1: No, it wasn't actually. It was um, more the case of uh, Sunday schools. We looked at it as a way by, by my parents to be child mining centers. Mm. Oh <laughs> So yeah. they dropped us off. And no, we weren't very involved with church at all. Um, yeah. What little... Church things I saw didn't really um, attract me at any point. It was only uh, when I was in my 20s that I started to reach out to God. Well, how did that come about? Uh, we had a situation um, after the birth of our first child where we had a yeah a, a real need, my um, wife and I. So... Um, and for the first time in my life, I'd been brought up to, you can do anything. You can you can make your own way in life. You don't need any anything but your own self to get through. Mm-hmm. I found myself totally lacking and not having an answer. And uh, that brought me to my knees, I guess, uh, to a point that I, I cried out to God for help. And um, it was a very gradual process. And, and I had a real need. Uh, this is in the year 2000, where I was absolutely uh, taken by this terrible condition in arthritis called ankylosing spondylitis, mm-hmm. which basically meant that I couldn't even get up a sloping hill or a sloping mm-hmm. set of uh, ramps yeah. uh, without
2: being in absolute pain. And this just came out of nowhere? This just developed over time?
1: Yeah, it came after a long journey in a maybe fairly uncomfortable car, but uh, that's where it started anyway. And it, it went on for six months um, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get out of bed without rolling on my side and dressing sort of lying down. It was just so bad oh, wow. at the yeah. start of every day. And and yeah. I used to fall over in the street. It was, it was pretty horrible.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it wasn't diagnosed, and it often isn't, um, and I was being told that I'd be in a wheelchair, um, that it was something to do with my back and all this sort of thing. But hmm. anyway, the long story and short of it is that uh, possibly, a good thing, I didn't have it diagnosed because I believe the treatments they try and give you can almost be uh, character-altering hmm. uh, treatments. Yeah. Um, so uh, it just happened that this church did believe in healing, and I, I went uh, and had a prayer and... Uh, uh, two days later, I woke up totally free of it.
2: Fantastic! Uh, it was
1: like I never had it, and wow. it, uh, I couldn't be doing any of what I'm doing now if I was in that condition or was in a wheelchair. So um, yeah, so I, I praise God for that healing. It really has um, impacted me not only to know how powerful God is and how wonderful He is. Um, that's also thinking something I love to share with people
2: yeah. now.
1: Um, but also, it set me um, up for what I was going to do.
2: Well, I was going to say, obviously, it impacted you in that now you could physically move around. But it sounds like it impacted you in other ways, as far as being grateful and and then wanting to serve Him more. Is, is that right?
1: That's right. It certainly built my faith, um, as as did it at the same time an encounter that I had with God, and where I just absolutely felt. Well, there's a scripture which says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I just felt this happening to me in this encounter. Besides being wrapped around with the arms of love, it was the most amazing experience and one that changed my life uh, as well as that healing.
0: You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Michael Carter, who's the co-founder of Eagle's Corner, along with our guest from last time, Michelle Matouche. Next, we'll hear more of Michael's story and how he crosses paths with Michelle, and they eventually form Eagle's Corner, a ministry that supports deaf and hearing people in recovery from addiction. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, our guest is Michael Carter, who's the co-founder and CEO of Eagle's Corner, a ministry that supports deaf and hearing people in recovery from addiction and with mental health struggles. He's chatting with Eric Scatterbow and is sharing his story.
2: So you had this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit and then also this healing and then the lord worked in your life to kind of give you a heart for helping homeless people is that right yes
1: i just couldn't uh, escape being confronted with homelessness over a, a long period of time and i haven't mm-hmm. got the time to go into individual details but it common culminated in uh, me being in a time of prayer and, and reading the word one morning and i just opened the scripture and, and there's i'll read the verses out because mm-hmm. it does really say where I was at mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and these verses were, I don't know if you ever had this experience, It it's like the rest of the page was normal size and these verses were about five times bigger.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: they were highlighted. So this is what it mm-hmm. told me. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then it says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And when there's still room, go out until the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that they might my, my house will be full so I, I got the first verse the first verses and the second the third verse came later on as we go into my story about Eagles corner but um, it happened that Gary one of the two people that were part of this journey setting up the meals at the bridge for the homeless mm-hmm. um, had actually taken me out on the streets. he said you've got to come out in the streets and we already um, at that point, we hadn't actually been on that uh, journey with the guy that I met who did the books or knew mm-hmm. about the books. Mm-hmm. He took me on the streets in the middle of the night and said, well, this is how I lived, and he introduced me to people that were living on the street. And they were often in alleys and, and back streets. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked and I was overwhelmed. Uh, but to read this after that experience, go out into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor or the crippled, and to make it a banquet... It actually set up our whole ministry because, um, as as I said to you before, we discovered that the food that was being offered to the homeless often wasn't very healthy. Hmm. And so we decided that we would offer a banquet. In other words, the food would be the best we could make it. And this is where... Michelle came in to complete that vision because yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the food we produced initially was the best that could be done.
2: Yeah, you you just had experience taking pictures of it. <laughs> That's right. So, so, as Michelle may have
1: told you, um, she may not because she's a humble lady, but. She actually transformed the food that we were serving into mm-hmm. a banquet, which is what the original vision from these scriptures was. And so we um, we found out that there was a space on Saturday nights when the homeless were not being uh, fed. Mm-hmm. And we also found uh, a, a park, which was not much used, uh, Batman Park in Melbourne. And we set up our first meal. Um, only one turned up <laughs> huh. after a lot of advertising. And that one
2: person got a banquet the <laughs> barn person got a banquet, but by
1: four weeks later, we had up to 35 and then we grew to 50 and wow. it just expanded and expanded and, and it was just amazing how much we were blessed. As the scripture says, you know, you'll be blessed. Mm-hmm. And we were. We, we were blessed with there were these pods in Batman Park. There were sort of shops which were um, hard to lease to normal uh, businesses because it was so noisy, that park, and not very well utilized by the general public so we were offered one of those pods after a number of months because they saw what we were doing and, and the, the person in charge said i like what you're doing you can have one for free wow. um so we we created a kitchen in that one and then down the track we wanted the next door one because we were expanding so much and it was winter coming on and and so um we just had this wonderful after a lot of prayer was this uh, christian guy i knew rang up and said oh look god's told me to Provide a big need you have. And I he said, Have you got anything? I said, Well, we want to rent this big space that's next door to our kitchen and it's twenty-three thousand dollars a year. He said, Tell me where to write the check and who to send it to. Wow. So we got that space and and that just transformed the whole thing. which was almost a seven-day a week thing then. We had people camping outside. We had breakfasts, we had courses running, it was it just took off. We had Bible studies, we had a, a gallery which displayed some very talented uh, homeless art, mm-hmm. so it was just a wonderful experience that mm-hmm. went on for a number of the years. But in the process, um, this is what leads me to that second bit that scripture. We had four people um, in the community, and we had a real community of of love and and acceptance, and uh, it was just wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. I learned so much, and I was—I'm so grateful for the people that came on board. There were a number of people, wonderful Christian men and women, mainly women actually, that just came on board, and and they taught me a lot. They—they they actually uh, made me grow, I think, in, mm-hmm. in the things of the Lord, mm-hmm. and pointed out a few of my weaknesses. <laughs> and uh, perhaps I had a spirit of control, which I had to get rid of. Mm. Um, and you know, a lot of things happened and it was all to God's glory and, and we, we just had a, a great time there, but we did lose four people to overdose, drug mm. overdose. Mm. Uh, the most tragic one was the last one was a 21-year-old uh, girl who had just given birth to a baby and oh, wow. that, just, that just shook me up. And the yeah. other tragic one, which mm-hmm. received a lot of media, Release was the murder of uh, a guy in um, the next door park, enterprise park, mm-hmm. uh, whose name, nickname, was Mouse. And we actually met the murderer the night before. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, so we were involved in the court case, the whole thing. But mm. those, those two things, those two loss of life, which is surrounding drug overdose and drug use, uh, just sent me on a journey to say, "Look, well, we've got this happening here, and it's been wonderful." But if we haven't got them 24-7, uh, maybe we can't change their lives as much as we would like, and, and we mm-hmm. have to do something about it. So yeah. it led me on a search for finding the best way to combat this uh, horrible thing where of drug addiction and, and drug overdose and
2: death. And where did that lead you?
1: Uh, it led me, um, well, to another number of things. Um, first of all, we... Uh, I mean, I could go on forever, the number of God coincidences that happened at this point. (laughs) But um, I have a cousin in England
2: Mm -hmm.
1: who uh, classifies herself as homeless, actually, but that's because she's just isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, And she heard about what I was doing and and some of the stories and... um, she said, look, have you heard about Emmaus in England? And I said, no, what's Emmaus? She said, oh, it's this community that takes in um, alcoholics and and gives them a home and they they, they, they live there and, and so on. So um, I thought, oh, that's interesting. She said, you're coming over for a visit. You're coming to visit me. I'm going to set you up to meet the person that set it up in England. <laughs> so she did. Hmm. So in, in Cambridge we went to see this guy and uh, went to two of his uh, communities, and it opened my eyes to the possibilities that there was a way out of this uh, if you give them a purpose in life and, and give them a place to live where well, they've got 24-7 care. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that started the whole process. Um, I got back from England and immediately, I some reason, I just put the information about what I'd seen on my bank manager's desk and said, oh, here's a video, you should watch this. We've just seen this in England. And the next week she watched it and she said, oh, do you want money to set this up in Australia? Oh, wow. And I said what you you, what do you mean do you want money well we've got this normally you have to apply for it but we're just going to offer it so i said well how much can i ask for he said well that's up to you
2: (laughs) (laughs) you don't hear that every day
1: no i don't think you'd ever hear it again and i said well i just picked the figure out of the air thirty two (laughs) thousand dollars and she said right oh you've got it uh we're, we're going to set this place up so anyway long story short I had a dream, a very vivid dream, one night, and the dream basically ended with the statement, "A farmer is going to give you the land," and that just shook me. This is because I've been brought up—you don't get anything, nothing. It's all hard work. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What on earth is that all about? So to tie it all together, a number of God incidences, God coincidences happened. There was a pastor that was in Adelaide who visited us. And he'd been to Italy to visit his family. He said, oh, Michael, hear what you're doing. You should have a look at San Patrignano, a community in in Italy. I said, oh, that's quite interesting. Okay. And I went online and had a look, and it's this amazing place. And um, at the same time, there's a greedy, the Two greedy Tans was a a cooking program on the SBS at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they visited San Patrignano and made a whole show of it. So I had these two things happen. And so Michelle goes up to Wodonga, uh, Yakandanda, to help, as she has done for a long time, the Christian farmer's camp. She was catering for 100 men who came to this camp. And on this particular occasion, she spent some time with the farmer and the farmer, they got together to go on a bike ride. And after that, Michelle said, oh, have a look at this program on SBS. Don't know why she would do that, but she did. <laughs> and the farmer looked at it and went very quiet and said, That's the vision that God gave me 20 years ago from my farm. Oh, wow. And he said, get this Michael guy up here. I want to talk to him. (laughs) So I went up and the long story short was that he had, uh, besides his 200-acre farm, dairy farm, he had 50 acres that was a separate farm. He said, you can have this to set up your program to help addicts and people that are struggling with uh, issues. And uh, here it is. Peppercorn lease, ten dollars a year. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> and last time Michelle shared that then you needed to have somebody join the program and the Lord yep. led you to somebody who is deaf. Yeah. That's
1: right. And that's where again I heard direct from God. It was just amazing. This this is just confirmation that, you know, when, when you when you know God's in something with mm-hmm. you, yeah, it gives you such joy, peace, and a sense of real purpose mm-hmm. and yeah. confidence that you make mistakes along the way, but somehow who's going to bring it all together. Anyway, so I was asleep um, on a Wednesday morning, uh, 4 a.m., I remember exactly the time, and God just said to me, go to Carnegie. That's the only instruction I got.
2: Huh.
1: Go to Carnegie, a suburb of Melbourne. And I thought, well, Carnegie's a place I pass through, but I don't stop, <laughs> except four years previously, I had gone to a church in Carnegie because they had a homeless meal on a mm. Wednesday in lunchtime. Mm. This is Wednesday morning. And I thought, well, that's the only place I know in Carnegie that <laughs> might be relevant to this. So yeah. I turned up there at lunchtime, and there was a new pastor there, so I didn't know him. And he said, what are you doing here? Uh, He thought I was there for the meal because I do tend to dress down (laughs) when I go to homeless places. (laughs) Uh, But he said, oh, look, all I can tell you is that God sent me. He said, "Well, what do you do? So I told him about our our meals at the Bridge broken. But I then said, well, we have just set up in the country and we're looking for our first resident. And he said, his mouth just dropped open. He said, Really? You see, we've been trying to get a going to a rehabilitation program for three months and he's been knocked back twice mm. and he's here helping us cook this meal. Do you yeah. want to meet him? And so this was Simon. And mm. so I met him and found out quickly enough that he was deaf and I, I'd never met a deaf person before in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit confronting, but we managed to communicate and the pastor helped. And I said, well, if you're interested, um, you know, come up, you know, and um, I meanwhile rang Michelle and said, uh, I think we found our first resident, but there may be a problem. And she said, what's that? Well, he's deaf. And she said, no, what's the problem?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> she was told us that story. Yeah. To Michelle. Yeah.
1: Michelle <laughs> didn't think it was a problem. So I thought, okay. So um, he came and he never left. And yeah. so he, he went from a really bad place in life um, when he arrived with us to now being a wonderful man of god he's he's found faith uh, he'd already started that journey when i got to him but he really has grown in faith and he's been two years clean now and um, he is just a wonderful example and and we now realize as we're going forward that actually this is god's plan for us all along That he was sent not only to to be healed but to also be a role model for the deaf people who are struggling like his is to to live in uh, a, a life of fulfillment
2: and he's a part of your ministry going forward
1: he's part of our, a very big part of our ministry mm-hmm. going forward and um, I mean he's become a brother now he was just uh, he was our first resident but and we went through a lot of things with him but now that he's a brother and he's um, he's you know walking with the Lord and hes he's got that vision of of Christ setting people free. Um, he is just so good to be around and has uh, become a real uh, strength to us. And mm-hmm. it's just a, a wonderful story.
2: Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but can you kind of wrap up our conversation today and let us know what's happening for the ministry going forward?
1: Yeah, so we've um, we, we had to move from Danda because of the we were actually renting a house besides that acreage that i talked about mm-hmm. and so we needed a place for the the guys in the program to live and we'd been in contact already with people in bendigo and so we're now we're now living or moving in bendigo and combining with impact recovery which mm-hmm. is a very similar uh, has a very similar heart to the methods and the way of recovery that involves um, a faith basis Mm -hmm. as well as a um, complete whole of life scenario, body, mind, soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. And so we've combined with them and the story is very much in in its early stages there, but we are encouraged that um, they are looking as You know, the two organizations that knocked Simon back were rehabilitation organizations. Mm -hmm. But here we found an organization, an impact um, that is willing and and ready to receive deaf people into their program Mm -hmm. uh, with our help. And that's where we see us going, as well as a more general outreach to the deaf uh, in general.
2: Thank you so much for sharing with us today your story and also the story of Eagle's Corner.
1: Thank you for the opportunity of sharing it.
0: Well, that was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Michael Carter, who's the co-founder and CEO of Eagles Corner, a ministry that supports deaf and hearing people in recovery from addiction and is located in rural Victoria. Michael co-founded Eagles Corner, along with our guest from last time, Michelle Matush it was great to hear how the Lord worked in both of their lives to help other people. As it says in the Bible, remember the words of the Lord Jesus who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I think both Michelle and Michael would be quick to say that they've received abundant blessings the more they've given to others. To learn more about their ministry, the website is eaglescorner.org. Once again, that's eaglescorner.org. Well, thanks for joining us for Michael Carter's story and more of the story behind the founding of Eagle's Corner. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.